Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Adam Moline. We are privileged to serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. What you heard in our intro is This is the Feast, probably the most familiar part of Divine Service Setting 1. We began in episode 9, taking a look at this particular divine service. We're looking at it word by word, syllable by syllable, note by note, helping us to uh, prepare and become more at home in our hymnal. At home in our hymnal for the divine worship, at home in our hymnal as we gather for individual or family devotions as well. Pastor Moline, welcome once again. Yeah, it's good to be here today beautiful day and uh, uh, just uh, a privilege to talk about God's Word and the liturgy. It is, and uh, this is a, uh, a great, great opportunity for us as we dig into Divine Service Setting 1, which is page 151 in Lutheran Service Book. In our previous episodes, we've taken a look more at the theology of worship, some uh, specifics. You can check those out on the archive section of our radio website, www.thecross957.org. Last week, uh, last episode, episode 9, we looked at uh, the preparation and divine service and invocation, and we ended our discussion with confession and absolution, something that is um, a little bit odd or a little bit rare, this uh, corporate confession and absolution. If you've grown up as a Lutheran, you're familiar with it. You've had it your whole life. But for people coming to the Lutheran church that have uh, never been uh, in corporate worship before, or have come from other denominations, this part of the worship service seems kind of odd or kind of strange, this uh, preparatory rite. Pastor, some some comments on those coming from the outside, looking in, why this might seem as an odd way to start our worship service. Well, actually, uh, myself, having come into Lutheranism, Very good. Uh, it Thank is an uh, uh, interesting thing um, to stand uh, up with the whole congregation and to admit publicly uh, that you're a sinner. We don't like to do that. We feel uncomfortable doing that, um, and uh, uh, we don't even want to admit that that is the reality for us. And so that's one thing that makes it a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, and then I think sometimes people are uh, a little confused by the fact that that a, uh, a man uh, speaks the forgiveness of sins then uh, after we make that confession. Uh, and uh, that, too, is a, a, a good thing. Um, and it is taught by Scripture that uh, uh, if you forgive their sins, they are forgiven. Uh, that's from the end of the Gospel of John. Uh, and I think then sometimes, too, people think it's a Catholic thing, um, that only Catholics actually have to confess their sins, when actually Scripture teaches that uh, all of us should confess our sins uh, and receive absolution. Um, and so those things, I think, uh, are part of what makes it uncomfortable for those who maybe never been in a Lutheran church before. You uh, you brought up the uh, very, very important part that this is what the scriptures, the Holy Bible teaches. And uh, that's why we do it in our worship service. One of the beautiful features in Lutheran service book is that in many, many parts of the liturgy, the scriptural reference 
for that particular part of the service is given in a uh, footnote so you can check it out. Uh, this is not uh, the words of Martin Luther. This is not some ancient liturgical phrase from the church that's been handed down. These are words directly from the scripture, directly from the Bible. We closed last segment with uh, talking about confession and absolution, and I think we covered that topic pretty well with one exception. We ended our program, uh, episode 9, part 4, we ended our program talking about the holy absolution. And where does this come from in Scripture, where a man stands up and says, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. And the scripture reference, the little note in our hymnal says John twenty, nineteen to 23. And I want to read those words, and then I want to ask Pastor Moline a couple of questions about that. John twenty, nineteen to 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands inside. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And now verse 23, this is the kicker. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. These are the words of institution for the office of the Holy Ministry. These are the words of institution for what we would call holy absolution. Pastor, can you give us a little context? When were these words spoken, and what was the significance of the timing of Jesus' appearance here in John 20 and these particular words spoken at this particular time? These words are spoken uh, right after Jesus has uh, gone to the cross, died, laid in the tomb, and then risen. Uh, so these are words uh, spoken after the resurrection to those disciples. And uh, that's an important thing because now uh, Jesus is sending them out or going to send them out to, uh, to preach the word, to forgive sins, to administer the sacraments, and bring the church into existence. And the whole uh, essence of the church is that uh, people come, hear the forgiveness of sins, receive God's gifts, uh, and in faith in him are a part of that uh, larger entity that is the church. They become part of uh, uh, angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, they receive that promise um, because Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, and it is also a, a word of absolution uh, immediately to the disciples who, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, had run away, uh, abandoned him, and turned their backs on him. And so he's forgiving their sins then, and then it is kind of a fulfillment of the Lord's prayer as well. Uh, 
forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is Jesus sending them out to do the very thing he's just done to them also. So we have a whole bunch of things going on there maybe uh, that we should talk about. Uh, a whole bunch of things is correct. The uh, disciples on that, uh, you know, they'd heard some preliminary reports. They didn't know if they should believe the women. They didn't know if they should believe John and Peter when they said the tomb was empty. And, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think about some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator movies. <laughs> and uh, in, a, in a movie, uh, in the very first Terminator movie, he goes in and he's looking for Sarah, whatever her name is, because he's going to kill her. Um, and he looks at the one clerk and he says, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. And then he does come back with a vengeance, drives the car through the front pane of glass and whatever. He's coming back. He's coming back for retribution. He's coming back to get him. Do you think that it's possible that the disciples who had abandoned Jesus at the cross, who had run away, uh, Peter, who had denied him vehemently uh, three times that he even knew who his name was. Do you think that as they huddled together in this room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, that one of the Jews they feared was Jesus? I definitely think that. In fact, I think I've preached that uh, on Easter before when we've had the conversation about this, that uh they are afraid because of the way they've treated Jesus. And uh, not only that, uh, you know, like Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, um, and then he abandons the Son of God. And if you uh, turn your back on a God or make a God angry, you should be a little worried about what his retribution is going to be. And that, I think, is part of the beauty of what actually truly happens. Jesus shows up. And instead of taking revenge, instead of payback, he forgives their sins. And he sends them out to forgive the sins of others like you and me uh, and all of our listeners who also have turned their back on God. Okay, two things I want to I flesh out of what you just said there. Uh, first of all, we have a transition that's going on in our text. At the beginning of these words, and we're reading from John twenty nineteen to 23 with regard to the holy absolution spoken in the divine service, the disciples at the beginning are full of fear. They're cowering in fear. They're hiding behind locked doors. Uh, locked doors don't keep Jesus out. Jesus comes and stands among them. Uh, he did not sneak in through the back window or anything like that. Uh Jesus, when he speaks a word to them, Jesus leaves the disciples, not with fear, but the text says, then the disciples were glad. So there's a movement and a transition from fear to gladness. And it appears the only thing Jesus did was said a word. And that word was peace, or as Jesus more than likely said, shalom. How is that word of peace, a transforming word, that word of shalom, a transforming word to take us from fear to gladness? The word peace itself is an absolution or a forgiveness of sins um, because it's talking about, this is God speaking, uh, and he says, peace uh, be with you. 
When God says that, that means that all the things that have separated us from God are taken care of. And Jesus speaks that word of peace as God to the disciples because his blood has paid the payment for all of their sins. Uh, They are completely and totally forgiven by the work that Christ has done from the cross. So when he says, peace be with you, He is absolving them their sins and saying that because of my blood covering your sins, there is now peace between you and me, between you and God. And because now there's peace between us and God, we we return to that, uh, that state that happened before the fall into sin, when Adam and Eve could see God face to face, uh, when they could understand the full joy and uh, comfort of being in God's holy presence, when God provided for all their needs of body and soul. Um, That's the same thing that now with the peace Jesus brings that we have, we are at peace with God. The, The conflict between sinful man and God is won by the blood of Jesus. And uh, so now we're no longer enemies of God. Yeah, very well said. The uh, worship service, and we're looking specifically at Divine Service Setting 1, page 151 in LSB. If you just do a quick scan of that service, that word peace is spoken multiple times in a various uh, number of settings. Pastor, uh, we're about out of time on this segment. Let me just ask you a quick question. Are you suggesting that every time we hear the word peace in the Holy Liturgy in the church, that this is a word of forgiveness, a word of absolution? I would say, uh, just thinking through it real quick, yes. Uh, It's always a reminder of the peace we have by the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, that word keeps getting brought up for that very reason, because We still live in a sinful world, and we need to keep hearing that we have peace between us and God because we don't like to believe that to be true. Peace be with you, my friends. Forgiveness. Forgiveness from the holy wounds of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We need to take a short break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll be right back. service book, page 151 and following. We are looking specifically at God's Word that is called the Holy Absolution. In uh, this episode, episode 10, we're uh, digging into that part, still part of the preparatory rite. Uh, We're not into the actual quote-unquote divine service yet at this point in time. We looked at John 20, 19 to 23, the mandate and institution words for not only holy absolution, but the office of the holy ministry as well. Pastor, I've noticed that uh, Lutherans um, are very, very adamant uh, with regard to this part of the worship service. Even in some churches that are more prone to do a little less 
liturgy and hymnal kind of work and are doing more contemporary or blended services, uh, most pastors and certainly most lay people do not want to give up confession and absolution. It is a uh, primary part of the worship service. It is a primary part of the rhythm and flow of worship, divine service in general. Why do you think that Lutherans cling so tenaciously to this part of the worship service, confession and absolution? I think it's because we truly understand that we are sinful people. And knowing that we're sinful people, we, we desire and seek to hear that that sin is forgiven by Jesus, to be reminded by that. My wife is one of those people that um, she loves to hear her sins are forgiven. Um, she doesn't like going to a service where they uh, cut that out. She doesn't want to go to a service where they, they try to change it to make it a little bit more palatable, you know, uh, instead of saying, I, a poor, miserable sinner, uh, or that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. They maybe say, I'm not always the best that I could be or whatever. She doesn't not, like that. Not living up to your potential rather yes, than sin. Yeah. Uh, she, she knows the truth. And she wants to hear that word spoken from the pastor as if from God himself that those sins are forgiven. And uh, it's such a great blessing to be able to be reminded of that, to know that we are completely and totally forgiven because of what Christ has done. I think uh, a marriage analogy is a good one here as well. Um, you know, my wife knows that I love her. Uh, I work, I bring home a paycheck, I buy the groceries, occasionally I make a meal, uh, I try to keep the side of my bed relatively clutter-free, um, I buy her a present at uh, her birthday and for anniversary, and sometimes just for no particular reason. And uh, I, th there's lots of evidence in the world that I love her. And yet... If there was only that evidence and not the words, there could always be that seed of doubt. There could always be that question. And so we speak the words, a husband to his wife, a wife to her husband, a parent to a child, a child to a parent or grandparent or whatever. We speak the words because speaking the words and hearing the words is important. Now, in our uh, in our last segment, Pastor, you uh, you mentioned something that I want you to unpack a little bit more. You said that we, the people who come to church, the people who are sitting in the pews, are often like those disciples in John chapter twenty here, who are sitting in the room locked, full of fear. Uh, I don't think we're afraid that Jews are going to come and attack us, uh, but we have other kind of fears. And uh, uh, you you preached a a sermon on uh, Reformation evening. That would be a Wednesday, October thirty one, twenty eighteen. A brilliant sermon on the entire topic of fear. And I would encourage our people to uh, go to the website, check out the archives, and uh, listen to Pastor Moline. Uh, preach and uh, hear the word of God brilliantly delivered. That topic of fear, uh, how are we coming into the church service, whether, whether we're in church every week, 
or whether it's been weeks or months or years since we have darkened the church's door. How are we full of fear, and how does this word spoken by God through the pastor, this word of peace, this word of absolution, how does that directly address those fears? Well, in our lives, there are all sorts of things that we are afraid of. And we like to think that it's just, you know, ghosts and ghouls and goblins and, you know, Bigfoots uh, running around across the highway in front of our car or whatever. Hey, I saw a special on the History Channel. Yeah, Bigfoot's I'm sure real. you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm joking. The, uh, the truth is those things aren't really the things we're afraid of the most. The things that are the deep-set fears that uh, we worry about the most are much more mundane than that. Uh, we're afraid of... Um, what the doctor has told us about our prognosis. We're afraid how we're going to pay the mortgage or uh, how much money is in our 401k. Uh, we're afraid for our children and uh, the uh, things they're learning in public school that we don't agree with or uh, are their uh, futures going to be okay or are they going to grow up to be a jerk. Uh, we're worried about uh, uh, any number of things that we are truly afraid of in our life. And God answers all of those things with that word of peace, with that word of forgiveness uh, that says, uh, you don't have to worry about these things. Money, well, I'm going to provide everything you need to support your body and life. And when you die, I'm going to give you even more uh, in eternal life, uh, in the uh, eternal wedding feast of the Lamb and his kingdom. Uh, family members, all of those people who believe and trust in me, uh, they're going to have eternal life, whether they die in an accident or cancer or old age, peacefully in their sleep. Uh, uh, no matter what, uh, because of the forgiveness of sins earned by Jesus, they have eternal life. Um, we can answer all of the fears that we have with that word of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so then we're left with nothing really to be afraid of when we live in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, except for God himself. And fear of God we call faith. And uh, it's good to have faith. And so um, in that way, when we hear that uh, our sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, it takes away that fear because we know Christ has overcome the world and we belong to Christ. So, Pastor, when I go to church and I hear the pastor tell me, uh, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, uh, this is an absolution Something is actually taking place here? Or is this just kind of a symbol or a reminder that generically God loves me and gives me peace? Is there actually something happening? There is actually something that happens. And, and perhaps a way to understand that is to look back to the John passage in John 20. Uh, when Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you, uh, he also breathed on the disciples uh, and, and said, uh, if you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. Receive the Holy Spirit when he breathes on the disciples. That brings us back to the very beginning when God created uh, the entire world by the power of his word, uh, speaking things, you know, let there be light. And then also especially when he made Adam out of the dust of the ground. Um, he took that dirt, he pushed it together into the form of a man, but it was still not alive until God breathed the breath of life into the man. 
And when Jesus is speaking the word of absolution, breathing the Holy Spirit onto the apostles and to us in the words of absolution, that Holy Spirit is making us alive forever. It's really, truly happening at that time. And so it is a, a great thing uh, that uh this is worded this way in John because it drives us back to recreation, uh, that God is recreating us by the power of his word by saying, your sins are forgiven. So when people come in, this is not a sign or a symbol or a remembrance. Uh, it is a performative speech act, and maybe our hearers have heard that term before, when uh, when the umpire calls ball or strike, it doesn't really matter uh, where the pitch was, the umpire's word has the power and the authority to make the call. Correct. When you go to uh, court, hopefully not too often, but uh, when you go to court and the judge declares guilty or not guilty, there are power, there is power and authority in those words that whatever the judge says, whether you agree with his verdict or not, that verdict stands. The judge's word is final. Let it be written, let it be done. Yes, there we go. There we go. I love that line from uh, the old Charlton Heston movie, uh, Ten Commandments. So, God speaks through a human being, and God has given this power and the authority to forgive sins, and specifically in the worship service to the called and ordained servant of the word. But this forgiveness is not only in the divine worship service. This forgiveness is supposed to be uh, freely given and received. Uh, you mentioned the Lord's Prayer before. This is a part of our vocation. Husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, neighbors, co-workers, the list goes on and on. Forgiveness is the way of life for a Christian. And uh, the Lutheran reformers oftentimes said that the article by which the church stands or falls is justification, that God has justified us or declared us righteous or forgiven on account of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We don't keep this to ourselves, but we share it. We share it because we need to hear it. We share it because it restores broken relationships on the human level as well as on the divine level where God has restored our broken relationship with him. I, a poor, miserable sinner, am forgiven. I am at peace because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When we come back from our break, I want to uh, venture into uh, maybe a little bit of a dangerous topic with regard to confession and absolution. Sometimes people will say, well, I can do whatever I want because all I have to do is go to church on Sunday and hear that my sins are forgiven. I want to ask and uh, have Pastor Moline expound on the question, is confession and absolution as practiced in the Lutheran Church, the preparatory rite before the divine service, is this simply a license to sin or is there something bigger going on here? We'll address that uh, difficult question and topic when we come back from our break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. 
Bringing Bach Back, Sundays at noon on KNNA. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hip. This is Pastor Glenn Hoppy. Along with me is Pastor Adam Levine. Pastor's here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. At home in your hymnal is designed so that you are, how about this, at home, comfortable with your hymnal in the divine service, in your home for personal or family devotions. And we're looking at divine service setting one right now, page 151 and following in Lutheran service book. I suppose we would be remiss if we didn't invite you to join us for worship at Good Shepherd. You can worship with us every Sunday morning at 8 and 10.30, Sunday school and Bible study for all ages in between. Wednesday evenings year-round at 6.30, we follow one of the services exclusively in Lutheran Service Book, and so this is a service for our members and for the wider church at large. Through episode 10, we have been looking specifically at the absolution part of confession and absolution. Confession and absolution is a preparatory rite to get us into the divine service. We're not quite there yet, uh, but we're talking about the absolution where God, through the pastor, forgives your sins. You are absolutely forgiven, 100%, no strings attached, no uh, satisfactions or satisfactions need to be made to make your absolution sure and certain. You are set free. You are at peace because God, through your pastor, tells you. Now, sometimes, Pastor Moline, and this was the little teaser that I left as we uh, headed into our last break, sometimes people accuse Lutherans, and I suppose Roman Catholics as well, but sometimes people accuse Lutherans of having a confession and absolution at the beginning of their worship service as kind of an easy out, a get-out-of-jail-free card, a license to sin, um, is that what's going on, and why is that a very, very dangerous way to look at the holy absolution? I think Lutherans are actually better at this than some of the other uh, church bodies that practice confession and absolution, uh, because we as Lutherans, uh, the foundation for all of our confession of faith is the Scriptures. And uh, we have St. Paul in the Scriptures in Romans chapter 6, when talking about uh, absolution, he says, what are we to say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And uh, his whole point there is is that because we're Christian, uh, because we're saved, because we're baptized, we don't live as sinners do anymore. Therefore, the absolution is not just a uh, license to go about and keep on sinning uh, so that uh, we can keep on uh, receiving more forgiveness and that'll just all make it okay. We do want to keep receiving forgiveness, but it doesn't mean we should keep on sinning. 
way I kind of think about it is uh, in my uh, childhood one time, uh, my brother and I were uh, playing catch with a baseball, and the baseball got away, and it hit the window to uh, my dad's truck. And the window shattered and was broken. My dad came out, and uh, uh, my brother said, you know, sorry, we, we, uh, we didn't mean to do that. It was an accident. It wasn't on purpose. And my dad said, no big deal. We'll just get a new window. Now, if that, that's the way it happened the first time. If the next day I had gone out and we threw another window through the – or baseball through the window, and the next day we did it again, and the next day we did it again, he might not come out and say – well, you're just forgiven. <laughs> There's a pattern that's forming, a pattern that is uh, running roughshod over the word of forgiveness that my dad had spoken there, uh, that is forgetting that word and what that meant and uh, uh, the, the importance that is carried in that word. The same thing then is kind of true with God. If, if we um, keep on neglecting the word of forgiveness and, and take out of uh, uh, when you know we live our life and we sin and we forget the price that Christ had to pay to get that forgiveness to us um and we we take advantage of God's forgiveness then we're not really in the Christian faith we're living apart from that faith and apart from God's word and apart from his mercy and and that's a problem and so forgiveness absolution is not just a license to sin the uh, words that you connected us to from Romans 6 are very, very important words, words that we memorize in Luther's small catechism, baptism part four. When we return to the baptismal font, we return to the baptismal waters daily, dying to sin, drowning uh, the old Adam with our sin, passions, and evil lusts, and coming forth a new person, a new man, a new creation, a new creation that sincerely desires to live in Christ, a new creation that sincerely desires to live according to God's will, and an attitude that absolution is a license to sin uh, treats that new life in Christ as a joke. Mm -hmm. It treats the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus as a joke, and it really turns forgiveness into a nothing. And that would be the essence of hypocrisy and the essence of unbelief to turn forgiveness into a nothing. And so we have here this, uh, this word that is spoken by the pastor, this word that actually does bring forgiveness of sins, this word that sets us free. How does that prepare us, pastor, for everything that is about to follow in the worship service and especially a right reception of the Lord's Supper. It is uh, preparing us for the rest of the divine service because it is giving us an identity as a Christian who has been forgiven by the blood of Christ, which then opens the door to all the rest of the service, to hearing the word, uh, to receiving the Lord's Supper, um, to uh, being in the presence of a holy and just God uh, by hearing that we are absolved Christians, absolved sinners, um, we are able to enter into the Holy of Holies 
things, uh, to uh, eat and drink with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. It declares that we are amongst the forgiven amongst the save, um, and uh, it's kind of, we talked last week about the um, the ebb and flow of the service, that uh, God gives his word, and then we respond, and the word he's giving here is that you are forgiven, allowing us then to respond uh, with the rest of the service as we worship and, and receive God's gifts going forward there, uh, and so that's kind of what I would say in that regard. I, I think it also connects us back to your earlier comments with regard to fear, if you are filled with fear with regard to uh, your your mortgage or your conflict with your spouse or your neighbor, uh, worried about death, worried about cancer, worried about all these things, these real things that are consequences of sin in our life. If you're filled with this fear, you can't really listen. You can't really hear. And when God takes that fear away with his word of peace, his word of pardon, his word of forgiveness. It sets us free so that we can hear and receive the gifts that are freely given in the divine worship service. A little bit earlier, we talked about a, uh, a topic with regard to some, uh, some pastors or church leaders that maybe get bored with the liturgy. They get bored with uh, pertinent, certain parts of uh, the divine service, and they might want to write their own. And it's a it's a dangerous and a sad kind of a thing when this happens. Uh, they might hide behind the uh, scriptural admonition to avoid vain repetition. Well, we don't want anyone repeating the words of the liturgy in vain repetition. We want them to take it to heart and hear and believe the word of God. But what would you say, Pastor, to leaders in the church and especially uh, pastors or people in the pews that may desire this with confessions and absolutions that are written for the moment, they're written uh, topically or seasonally or whatever, maybe even a confession that does not confess our sinful nature or an absolution that does not clearly and definitely speak the forgiveness of sins? I would say, first off, you, you talked about um, the boredom or the vain repetition of the words. Uh, scripture surely says that, but that's not a problem with the words. That's not a problem with uh, the liturgy. That's a problem with us. And and maybe that's a part of what our confession ought to be, uh, is that uh, I'm so sinful that I even get bored uh, in telling you about my sin, or um, I get bored in confessing uh, the truth and hearing your word. That's a part of the sin uh, in us, not a problem with the, uh, the liturgy that the church has used uh, for over 1,900 years, I would say. Um, so that's part of it there. Um, also, I would say there is something to be said uh, for memorizing these same words and using these same words over and over again, because when I am really uh, vexed by my sin, when I feel the full gravity of it, and I am... Uh, in tears and sorrow and overwhelmed by the results of it, isn't it wonderful to have words that I know by heart that I can say and um, confess without um, 
having to deal with my emotions at that moment without having to uh, try and find some sort of word that can express uh, the sorrow that I feel because of my sin, but instead that the church has given me words that I can use to begin my confession. And if there's more, you know, if we look at the right of private confession and absolution, uh, if there's more that I need to add, then I've already broken the silence uh, with these words of the church and can then go into the details if necessary. Uh, But uh, in any case, I have words given to me uh, that I can start with. And that's the way it is with any sort of uh, language thing, right? Um, You have to uh, teach people the language and how it's done uh, so that when the time comes for them to create their own words or poem or whatever, they can use those words and and they know how it's done uh, to create their own confession. Um, and, And so I'm not I'm not saying we should do our own confession, but when we start, we have a word given to us that we can build off of, maybe is a way to no, say I it. No, I think you, uh, you set the stage beautifully for where I want to go with this as well. Um, the fifth chief part of Luther's small catechism teaches us the importance of confession and absolution, teaches us the importance of lear- learning the grammar the, right. the basics, and uh, you know, we're a, we're a classical education school here at Good Shepherd. Classical education permeates everything that we do. We learn the grammar before we can move on to the uh, logic and the rhetoric aspect. And so, knowing this and hearing these words, and I'll just say it bluntly: a confession that does not confess original sin is not a true confession. An absolution that does not directly forgive you and absolve you of your sins is not an absolution. There is a time for writing your own confession. There is a time for getting seasonal or specific, and that is private confession and absolution. This is where we want to go in our final segment for Episode 10 with At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll come back and tackle the topic of Lutherans and private confession and absolution. Want to miss it? Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP ninety five point seven FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We had uh, Vicar Albert Bader join us here. I don't know if we're going to let him talk or not, but he's certainly listening, wants to hear this topic as well. Each episode looks at a different part of Lutheran worship. We want people to be at home in their hymnal, in church, at home, uh, wherever you would use the hymnal, which brings us into God's Word, delivers the deliverance to us. We're looking in this episode, episode 10, at the absolution part of confession and absolution. We've looked at it in great detail, and we kind of left things hanging, and we want to bring this segment to a close and be able to move on to the uh, Kyrie and Hymn of Praise and some of the other parts in episode 11. And so today, we want to bring things to a close. We talked about 
the desire or the need for some people to get very specific, uh, seasonal, topical with regard to confession and absolution. A general confession and absolution sometimes just doesn't cover all the bases. I hear that my sins are forgiven, but maybe I don't feel it. Maybe I have a particular sin that is weighing on me, that is troubling me. And even though I hear that my sins are forgiven, my soul is still in torment. If only Lutherans had something like they do in the Roman Catholic Church where they have private confession and absolution, where I could privately unload. Pastor, uh, there is a specific part of the Augsburg Confession that talks about private confession and absolution. And those of you that are listening today, you may be surprised at what our Lutheran confessions say. Lutherans as well as non-Lutherans, put your seatbelt on for Augsburg Confession. I want to say Article 12, is that correct? 11. Article 11. 11. Article 11, and this is what the Lutheran Confessions teach regarding private confession and absolution. Pastor Moline? Yeah, Article 11 uh, says, Of confession, they teach that private absolution ought to be retained in the churches, although in confession an enumeration of sins is not necessary, for it is impossible, according to the psalm, who can understand his errors. And that's the whole Article 11 of the Augsburg Confession, and I think it's really great because it does uh, say that we do practice confession and absolution in a very similar way that the Catholics have confession and absolution, but it also emphasizes the main difference, which is that for us as Lutherans, the absolution is the uh, extreme important part, which is the proclamation of forgiveness and the gospel uh, for that specific sin that has been confessed. The absolution is the key part, and for us as Lutherans, there are no strings attached to it. It's not that you are forgiven once you say uh, a certain prayer. It's not that you are forgiven once you uh, make a donation or have a mass said for you. Uh, the absolution that is declared there is completely free, uh, completely earned by Jesus Christ, and no strings attached. And so we do have uh, private confession and absolution that still exists, um, specifically so that when you have a specific sin that's bothering you, uh, say uh, uh, say the vicar, he, um, he runs over baby kittens with his car, and that really bothers him, uh, he can come in. You don't and, know our vicar very well. I don't think that would bother him at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can come in and he can uh, make confession uh, and do the general confession and then say, what troubles me particularly is that I uh, run over baby kittens with my car. Intentionally. Intentionally. And uh, I, as a pastor, can say uh, uh, that you are forgiven that specific sin that you have just confessed and that God's uh, absolution, God's work through Jesus Christ, Jesus' blood covers that very specific sin. And uh, you can hear that as many times as you need to, uh, because the more you hear it, the more we believe it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, and the Word of God says that sin is forgiven. In the Reformation, one of the things that was done uh, in general with theology, but specific with the worship service, is those things that were contrary to the Word of God were removed. Uh, the Lutheran Reformation was a conservative 
Reformation. It did not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There were radical reformers, uh, uh, Zwingli and Karl Stott and Oclumpadius and the like, that did that. Uh, anything that the Roman Catholic Church did was wrong. And so we're throwing it all over. We're starting from scratch. The Lutheran Reformation was different, a conservative Reformation, keeping those things that are in accord with God's Word and removing those things that are not in accord with God's Word. It may catch people by surprise to hear in the Augsburg Confession, Article 11, that private confession and absolution ought to be retained in our churches. Private confession and absolution is not a Roman Catholic thing. It is a God thing. Private confession and absolution is a good and God-pleasing thing as it is practiced according to the mandate and institution of our Lord in his word. The only thing that is mentioned is the focus, as you said, Pastor Moline, should not be on the confession, where every sin is enumerated, where the pastor or priest sees it as his job to drag every little sinful thought out of the person, every gory detail. That's not what this is about. This is not so the pastor can get his kicks. This is so that the troubled and tormented soul, the conscience that is at not at rest, can be comforted with that same comfort that we've been talking about here in John 20 through this whole episode. Pastor, uh, you, you bring to your time here at Good Shepherd a wealth of pastoral experience. You have been a called and ordained servant of the word for nearly a decade why is it that Lutherans are so hesitant to take advantage of this gift of private confession and absolution? I don't think there's one reason. I think there's a number of them across our uh, members of the church. Uh, there are some who say uh, that's a Roman Catholic practice, and we're not Roman Catholics. In fact, all of being Lutheran is being anti-Catholic, and so they're afraid of it for that reason. There are those more and more today who uh, have listened to the world that says there is no such thing as sin, uh, but rather embrace who God made you to be, and this is their lie, of course, uh, no matter what it is, and therefore you don't need to confess a sin because you're not really a sinner. Um, there are those who are uh, so afraid of actually speaking something that is sin that uh, the pastor will judge them or think differently of them, uh, that they're afraid to come and speak those words to the pastor. To those last ones, I'd say, uh, remember that as a part of their ordination vow, your pastor has promised to never divulge the sins that are confessed to them. And in fact, if they do, they can be removed from their office and their, their job uh, because of that. Yeah, the sins that uh, a person confesses to their pastor die in the pastor's ear um, and are not brought up or remembered or uh, uh, even uh, spoken about in sermons. It's not going to affect what we preach. Uh, and so those are some of the reasons that I know. Uh, don't, don't be afraid. Uh, this is a gift given for you to be able to confess your sins, to be able to hear the word of forgiveness. Take advantage of that. 
rejoice in hearing God's word of forgiveness. That's what absolution is all about. The time when a pastor hears the confession and is able to speak the absolution privately to a particular sin of a particularly troubled conscience is one of the most holy and sacred times and callings, vocations of a pastor. When people think about going to their pastor and confessing a sin, oftentimes I I know that anti-Roman Catholic bias is there. We just need to get rid of that in the church. It's wrong. It's sinful. Repent. I think I think when you're talking about coming clean before another human being there is a scary thing and the scary thing is who is that human being going to tell right and because many of the pastors in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod are married the fear is the pastor is going to run home and tell his wife And then the next thing you know, it'll be on Facebook or Twitter, and uh, everybody at church will know, blah, 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 blah. A pastor makes a vow, and this is why ordination services and installation services need to be attended by the people in the pew. And they need to hear their pastor make that public vow that he will never, ever, ever, ever divulge something told to him in the confession. There is a confessional seal. His ears and his lips are sealed. He will not speak that confession. You give that confession to God through your pastor, and it is done. It is buried. It is put away forever and ever. There's an old Montgomery Clift movie where Montgomery Clift is a Roman Catholic priest, a sin is divulged to him, a sin of murder, and then the person goes out and frames the priest for that murder. And it is to the point where he either has to break the confessional seal or go to prison. Uh, You will be shocked and stunned what this priest does. And it is what every good Lutheran pastor would do as well. Go out and get the movie. Do a a search for Montgomery Clift movies. I believe it's from the early or mid-50s. Brilliant, brilliant movie. A pastor would rather have his lips, eyes, and heart removed than to violate the sanctity of the confessional. Now, we don't have, you know, little rooms and confessionals and doors and things that we slide. You want to you go to private confession absolution? You have a sin that is troubling you? You call up your pastor privately. The pastor will set up a time for you privately. This can be done at a time when nobody else is at church, so nobody else has the opportunity to gossip. We have a prayer chapel here at Good Shepherd, or we can go right down to the altar in the church, and we can have, we have an order of service in Lutheran service book. We can get into those details uh, at a later time when we'll devote an entire episode to this topic. We follow that format, we follow that liturgy, and then it gives the opportunity for the person to share that sin that is particularly troubling them. And then... By the grace of God, the words of peace and freedom and the loosening key is applied 
to that particular sin and that particular troubled conscience. I don't know about you, Pastor, but uh, some of the greatest joys that I have experienced in ministry have been in private confession and absolution to be able to bring that word of peace and freedom to a troubled soul. And you can just watch their uh, whole demeanor change when they hear the sin that is uh, bothering them loosed, set free, and uh, the weight is gone. Their um, joy uh, is clearly visible at that, and uh, it's, it's something that I would encourage you listeners to take advantage of as often as possible. It's not um, to torment you or make it uncomfortable. It's there for your peace and comfort uh, so that you can live your life, as we talked earlier, without fear, uh, without uh, baggage that you're dragging around, without all those difficult things buried in your heart. Let them out. Hear the forgiveness of Christ uh, specifically for you. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Take advantage of all the gifts that our Lord and Savior offers, especially the gift of absolution, and prayerfully consider private absolution when a soul is or a sin is tearing apart your soul. This is at home in the hymnal. We've got to bring this episode to a close. We'll be back again next time and continue our look into divine service setting one. Take care and may God richly bless you in Christ.